So, um, I am super excited about Christmas. I always am. I love this church. I love celebrating Advent with this church. And I am really excited to talk about Mary and her song today. So let's talk about songs, Christmas songs. We started in this morning. Isn't that fun? What's your favorite Christmas song? Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say anything about that, but okay. Anybody else? Silent Night, Little Drummer Boy. Mary, did you know? Oh, that's a controversial one, you guys. Okay, so let's talk about most hated song. Christmas shoes, Santa baby. Mary, did you know? (laughs) Okay, okay, minus step into Christmas. Can't stand that song. But we all have opinions about songs, right? And Mary has a song, and today being the first day of Advent, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to mix a lot of information in today. So hopefully you can follow along, and I've done this um, in a little organized way. We're going to start in Luke, because Luke has the, in my opinion, the best birth narrative of the Christmas season. It's more detailed. For some reason, Luke seems to catch what it's like to be female, which is really weird because he's male, but maybe because he was a doctor that had a little bit to do with it. We're going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the context of of Luke 1 first. This is what happens. I'm going to summarize it. The angel, Gabriel, he first visits Zachariah and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And he tells Zachariah and Elizabeth they're going to have a baby, but they're going to name him John. And John will be a great man of God, and his job is primarily to prepare the people for the Messiah. And then you know what he does to Zechariah? He mutes him. He strikes him absolutely unable to say a word, which is kind of funny because really only men at that time were the ones that were allowed to teach about God. And here's Zechariah, and he's not able to speak. He has a song, too, when he's finally able to be able to to say something, but Dan's going to cover that next week. You know, I'm going to cover Mary. Dan's going to cover Zechariah. So the angel tells Zechariah and Elizabeth that they're having a baby, and, and this, the same angel then goes, Gabriel, goes to visit Mary, Elizabeth's cousin, and tells her she's going to be pregnant. And here's where we pick up in Luke um, 1, verse 34. Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. <clears throat> Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In other versions of scripture, Mary says, may it be so, or may it be as the Lord says. Now, we have to take a minute here and talk about how freaking wild this is, okay? First of all, Mary is unwed. She's a teenage girl. Some theologians say that she's somewhere between the age of 13 and 16, which would be normal, uh, childbearing age at that time. We wait a little bit longer in our culture. 
Um, but that's still kind of a big deal, yeah. She was living in poverty. She was engaged to be married, but she's still a virgin. And now she's pregnant with God's son. So being unwed and uh, pregnant would have been a death sentence at that time. So we have to, we have to consider the context here for this to be as wild as, as it is. This was probably not on Mary's bingo card for the year. She probably had other hopes, and we're going to talk about hope too, and expectations. And even when she heard this, she had some different expectations. But there's a couple of hints that, he, that she got that this is a big deal, that this was a huge deal. First, an angel. <laughs> not your everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill things happening there. It's a big sign. And second, both of these women, Elizabeth and Mary, had, had to have known because they were really, really good Jewish girls, and they would have known the stories of um, the women that had gone before them and how God had interacted with them. This would not be news to them, so sorry to tell you guys, I, I do think that Mary did know. See what I did there? I think she knew. She had a big hint, at least. So, in her song, which is what we get to at verse 46 in Luke 1, it's called the Magnificat, and this is her song. And basically, guys, this is, as Garrett had spoken earlier in the year, it's a hyperlink to the Old Testament. This is a song she would have known and learned probably as a young child. She probably couldn't read. Uh, they didn't educate their women back then. Maybe she could if her, if her family had taught, it, taught her, but this is what the song says. And what I've done is I've asked the guys to put a Mary song parallel to Hannah's song. So Hannah was an Old Testament figure, a woman of faith also, whose womb had been closed, and then God allows her to bear a child, even though she had been barren and old, 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 old like Elizabeth. So I can relate to that. Not the pregnant part, just the old part. <laughs> so here's Mary's song. You can follow along with me. It might be a little weird to do both sides, but I did want you guys, I'm not going to read all of Hannah's song. I did, guys, I wanted you to see how familiar and how close it is, okay? <clears throat> this is not just Mary busting out in song like some musical or on Glee or something like that. She, she knows the song. This is her reaction when she hears she's carrying the Son of God. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he has made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So generations upon generations would have known the context that Mary was in, and she would have been relating to Hannah. And still today, there's trouble in that area, yes? So to, to recognize the generations of pain, political oppression, 
poverty and the things that uh, they were going through, they were looking and expecting a Messiah to come. And Mary gets the message that she's going to carry the Messiah in the form of a baby. But do you see what she did there? Do you see how closely those um, verses were? Mary had an idea. She knew. So today's word that we'll study tonight in our Advent guides, if you get one, is hope. I think Adam mentioned it before. And tonight you'll go through the devotional, and I know in years past, I've, I've usually had some people over, and usually there are kids involved, and we usually ask the question, what do you hope for? And usually the kids say something that they want for Christmas, which is totally age-appropriate. You don't have to be mad at them if they're not super spiritual. Um, my son is still asking for a PS whatever, and I'm not getting it. He's 25. He's still hoping. He'll still hope. Still, I want to take note that our culture and and the time that we're living in now compared to Mary's time is very, very different. And yet, we still have a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. And and moms and dads here at Christmas time, you're about to enter a season that's crazy and difficult. There's a lot of expectations on our resources and our time and where we should show up and when. I'm sure that you guys are um, thinking about what gifts you need to buy and whether you can afford it or not. And sometimes there's just a uh, parental expectation that we have to provide really, really good memories for our kids. And we make ourselves crazy trying to do this. Um, Even our church, sometimes we make ourselves crazy to see, to provide the best experience for the people who are coming here especially if you're new. We can make ourselves really, really run ragged at Christmas time. And, and for that, I would say grace, grace, grace on yourselves. Have some compassion for yourself on this time. Um, and we'll talk about hope in a minute, but uh, there's just some times where you just have to say no. And that's an aside. And for all of you with that elf on the shelf thing, I don't know. We didn't have that when my kids were growing up. So don't make yourselves crazy on that one too. But If you want to have it, have fun. They know. They know what's going to get you. So just know that. So it all can be super discouraging. It all can be difficult. Um, In the best situation, maybe not poverty or political oppression or war that we're in, we often put ourselves under a lot of pressure. And Advent should be a time of celebrating the good news of this birth the hope, the peace, and the joy, and the love. And we hope in your Advent, guys, you'll get reminders of this. And at church on Sunday mornings, you'll get reminded of this. And today, I think we have three things. There's much more. This is not comprehensive that I can talk about when it comes to hope from Mary's song. Okay? So I'm going to tell you three things. First, know your scriptures. Know your people of God and your stories. Get yourself a theological song. We'll talk about that in a minute. Second, God is doing something new. He was doing something new then, and he's doing something new now. Can we notice what what that is? And third, sometimes we have to carry hope for someone else. Sometimes if we're doing well, we have to do it for someone else. So first, know your scriptures and your studies. 
So when I studied this passage and the history behind it, there was not one commentary and not one book I read that skirted around the fact that Mary's song was straight from Hannah's song. Also, they didn't skirt around the fact that there was a major political divide in the country. Mary was good and faithful, and she would have known all these stories. And yet she says, may it be so. May it be so. She consents to God's plan, and then she busts out in song. So the teaching team and I, we were talking about this verse this week, and someone said, well, I wonder if God asked another teenage girl, and she just said no. <laughs> Maybe, but because Mary knew the stories of Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and Hannah, she sings Hannah's song right from her heart as if it had been written right on her heart. Mary's most certainly referring to all the political oppression and all the difficulty and all the poverty in that song. And Chris has put it to music and in a beautiful arrangement that we'll hear again. So in, when you hear it to music, start trying to visualize what she was thinking. And yet, she hears Gabriel say, nothing is impossible with God. Think about her situation. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible with God. It's easier to believe this when we know the stories of the people who've gone before us and how God worked in their lives. That's why we do my stories. That's why we have mentors, is that we look at people who have done the things that we are about to do and how they did it. She did that. She can sustain hope because she could see the stories and the characters and how they sustained hope. We kind of ride on the backs of, the, of our forefathers in faith and mothers. God saved them and he will always save us. She trusted God and she was, so here's another thing about Mary. She either gets deified by the church and way overblown as a God or she gets forgotten. But she was participating in the plan of God by consenting to it. And she could do that because she was faithful and trustworthy. So those are the things that helped her sustain her hope were all those songs that she had put to her voice into her heart. So what's discouraging you today? Maybe you need a, a song. Um, if you don't have one, I, I can help you or someone, anyone around us can help you. But I'm just going to tell you a quick story about one of my darkest, darkest days in the last five years. I um, was at retreat, which is never easy for me. Sorry, guys, I'm a really restless person, and to sit quiet for that long is really a struggle. I'm getting better. But it was hard. It was hard to sit alone, and it was hard for me to sit quiet, and I wanted to get on my phone, and I wanted to be just out of whatever my head was spinning on. And all of a sudden, I heard a song in my head, and it was a song that my mother-in-law had taught the kids before they um, eat, you know, a prayer. You guys have songs before meal time? It went like this, and I, I'm sorry. I told Chris, you know, I was going to sing on the stage at some point, so here it goes. <laughs> it goes, the Lord's been good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need. 
the sun and the rain and the... You guys got it. What do songs do? What do they do? They keep it in our hearts. They keep it in our memory. And I want to tell you, I hadn't heard that song since my kids had been really, really little. But it reminded me to have hope in a very, very dark time. That he provides the things that we need. Very simple theological truths. You guys knew it, and I, I, I didn't know it until someone taught it to me. So get yourself a good song. Second, create something new. So babies are the epitome of hope, right? And they're new. <laughs> and they are, oh, everything changes when you have a baby, guys. You start patting the fireplace and getting those little things that you put in the um, outlets. Thank you. Thanks, Diana. You know what I'm talking about. Um, babies are the best, and they're the example of how something really, really challenging can simultaneously be really, really good. You guys get that? That in the midst of something really, really difficult, like a baby, um, it's something really good. It's a, it's a metaphor for how God sees us, parenting us. Whether you birth the baby yourself, or you're adopted, or you're an auntie, or an uncle, these children that we are with give us hope. They have nothing but opportunity in front of them. But parenting can really quickly turn from hope, you have all these hopes for your children, to expectations. In parenting, you learn very quickly that no human, or for that matter, God, cannot be controlled. Yeah? Try to get your kid to sleep. I had My first child slept through the night at eight weeks, so she tricked me. And um, my second child, he didn't sleep through the night till like 16 years old. <laughs> right? You can't make kids sleep. And if you could, man, I'd get, I'd, I'd market that one. But God is saying I'm doing something new. There's something that we see in children that is new. And you don't have to have children. Please don't have one just to do something new. That's not the reason why we have children, but it's a metaphor for how he deals with us. Revelation says, look, see, I'm doing something new, even in dark times. How often do we take our discouragement and our despair and our vulnerability, like a baby is so vulnerable and dependent? How often do we do that and say, oh, this is new. This is good. This is opportunity, Right? But it really is. It is something that God teaches us through. Simultaneously, he shows us that something hard is something new and something good. It's a weird upside-down world of the gospel. In Ephesians, Paul says, Now to him, to God, who can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. So whatever new that you want to do or you could do is not even what he's going to do. Because we can't even know what he's going to do. We can't even ask or imagine it. He's doing something new. When we are the most vulnerable, like babies, we can see this opportunity. So one of my favorite Christmas stories, and I kind of asked around this morning, was 20 years here at Lakeland, almost 20 years. And we hadn't had a building. And it was probably one of the hardest church years I've had in, in a long, long time. I was... 35. I'm about to be 55, so that tells you something. It was new to me, and I did not know how what I was doing. I didn't know how to leave church. And uh, we, got, we were meeting in the movie theater, and we got this message that we couldn't meet on Christmas Eve. And there was literally no room at the end for us. 
and we were we were planning on having a few hundred people at a Christmas Eve service, a couple of them, and we had nowhere to have it at the last minute. But we owned this building, only this building had no heat. And how many of y'all were there? 2001, yeah, you, you guys remember that one. It was cold, someone told me it wasn't cold. You're lying, it was so cold. It was like not cold like today, like cold. And we, and someone ran around and drug up and bought all those uh, Charlie Brown Christmas trees from the stands that were last minute. And they were all fragile and you know almost dead. And then wrapped them in strings and we sat in this room that was a hockey rink at the time, cold on lawn chairs or blankets and kids screaming. And it was a very, very, very difficult year. And yet, I don't think I know anyone who doesn't say that was the best Christmas we had. That was there. We had nothing, and um, we celebrated the birth of Jesus together, and that's all we need. We had a lot, a lot of hope, though. A lot of hope. And we said nothing was impossible with God. So, lastly... Sometimes we have to carry around hope for someone else. Sometimes our lives are super good, and we're doing really, really well, and we know that others aren't. In Mary's song, we remember that God came to earth in the form of a baby, a lowly human, and he chose a lowly, ordinary teenage virgin girl to bear witness to this. She literally carried around God in her body. She carried around hope for the world in her body. And sometimes we need to carry around hope for the world in our bodies and in our words and in our lives. Emmanuel translates to God with us. My friends, this is hope that God is with us and he is, has been and always will be. That he came to earth in a, in a human form and that while um, Mary is not necessarily the hero of the story, God is. If you're one of the blessed folks that you have all you need and all you want and you have some extra hope to share, then maybe that's your call this Christmas. If you have absolute certainty that God can do whatever God wants to do and nothing is impossible with him, and you're ready to say, may it be so, as the Lord has it, then um, maybe you need to carry some hope for someone else. Maybe you need to form a group around here because someone else needs it. Maybe your friend group needs to open up tonight to your Advent gathering and, and offer um, someone else to come who's never been able to experience an Advent gathering that we've had here at Lakeland. Maybe uh, you need to invite someone else to uh, church and to Christmas Eve service and see how we do it. Or for that matter, Maybe you just need to start a conversation about God with someone. Now, if this makes you anxious or cringy, um, just remember Mary and her anxiety and her difficulty that she still was willing to do what God wanted her to do. And uh, remember, nothing is nothing is impossible with God. Thanks, guys.